Pray with me, please. Lord, I pray that you will engage with us here this morning, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit, and that my words will convey the message that you want us all to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, surprise. Anybody a little freaked out by this? Be honest. (laughs) Has anyone ever thought that they had lost their cell phone or their wallet or their purse, maybe? Do you remember the anxiety that filled you when that happened? Anyone have their child wander off in a store or at Disney World? Do you remember how terrifying that is? Well, while waiting for my wife one day, I was poking around in the lost and found box here in church, and I found this little cross. First of all, the name lost and found confuses me. Lost and found. Seems to me that everything in there is lost. If it were found, it wouldn't be there anymore. It would be where it belongs. Second, I think maybe misplaced would be a better description. Things that you find in there tend to be kind of inconsequential items that you might not even miss uh, if you lost them. If it was something valuable, you would miss it, and then you would go out of your way to find it. From there, I started thinking about the ways that we can be lost. You might have more ideas, but I came up with these for starters. You can be literally lost. You could be driving somewhere and suddenly realize that you don't know where you're going. And your wife might say, honey, I think we're lost. (laughs) And as guys, our first reaction is, no, we're not. (laughs) Luckily, there's an app for that. It's called Waze. You should get it. (laughs) Or you could be hiking in the woods when you suddenly realize you've taken a wrong turn. You don't know where the trail goes. In both of these cases, you fit the dictionary description of lost. You could be figuratively lost. Say you're having a pointed conversation with a theoretical physicist about the pros and cons of string theory and quantum mechanics. And after trying to fake it for a while, you finally say, you know, I just don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm lost. So then lost could mean simply just not understanding. How about long-lost relatives? They aren't really lost. They know where they are. We've just lost contact with them. Why is that? Probably life, I suppose. That's probably an excuse most of us would use. Life circumstances just get in the way. Or it could be anger. Maybe something happened that made us angry enough with these people that we no longer want to talk to them or associate with them. This will sound familiar again in a minute. And that leads me to the last and final category that I probably should have led with, and that is you could be spiritually lost. Before I get into this, the Bible typically equates lost to strayed or scattered, as we heard in our readings this morning. And often that analogy involves sheep and a shepherd, two things that most people could easily relate to in the time of Jesus. In our Old Testament reading today, Ezekiel says, 
You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. So the big question, how is it that we stray from God? And what does that mean to us? God's people have always found new and unique ways to stray from the Lord. Started immediately in the Garden of Eden and has continued ever since. The Israelites strayed continuously. Their story is one continuing saga of disobedience, repentance, and forgiveness. Jesus used three different parables that Luke recorded in his gospel to illustrate God's relationship to those who stray from him. And Luke is the only one of the gospel writers who records these amazing stories. The three parables are the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost or prodigal son. Most of us are familiar with these parables, so I'll just talk about the first one. The parable of the lost sheep. In this story, Jesus tells us of a shepherd who has a flock of a 100 sheep. One of the sheep turns up missing, and the shepherd leaves the other 99 to go find it. When he does, he brings it back, and he rejoices that he had found it. Imagine the clueless Pharisees sitting there, scratching their heads, and thinking, what is this guy talking about? Sheep? Really? The main theme of the stories is pretty easy to pick out. Something valuable, and the key word is valuable, is lost and is subsequently found. Then there is joy and rejoicing afterward, just like when you found your wallet or your phone or your child. For some of us logical types, we might be tempted to wonder why the shepherd would leave 99 and go in search of one with wolves and predators all around. Shepherding 101 would probably teach us that that doesn't make sense. But let's think about it for a second. That sheep was valuable. And even though there were 99 others, the shepherd knew it was missing, and he wanted it back. He trusted the rest of the flock, the 99 who hadn't strayed, to support each other until he came back with the lost one. Y'all, this simple story is amazing news for us. Jesus is telling us all, each and every one of us, that we are valuable to God no matter how far we have strayed. He's saying that he knows when we're lost because we're important to him and he wants us back no matter what. The story isn't about how the sheep got lost. The shepherd doesn't care. It doesn't matter to the shepherd. Sheep get lost for all kinds of reasons, and so do we. But in his mercy and grace, God doesn't care. The point of the story is that this amazing shepherd, our amazing shepherd, will go out of his way to find us. We are probably just like sheep in God's view. Does anyone ever own sheep? Well, if you haven't, they are smelly, and they are stubborn, and they are not too bright. (laughs) If the lead sheep runs off a cliff, the rest will follow it just like a bunch of lemmings. In God's eyes, we are probably not too bright either although maybe I should just speak for myself. If we get lost, we get scared, we run off and do dumb things, 
I'll leave out the smelly part. But we stray all the time. How frustrating it must be to be the shepherd of us. Yet God values us, every single one. Jesus made that perfectly clear with this parable. In our gospel today, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. How important are we to God? He even instructed Jesus to make sure he didn't lose a single one of us. Listen to what Jesus says in John's gospel. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me. God not only misses us when we wander off or do something dumb, he not only comes looking for us when we stray, but he mounted his own search and rescue mission. And he didn't just send the Coast Guard, he came to find us himself in the form of his only son. He didn't have to, but he chose to, because we, each and every one of us, are valuable. He is the greatest shepherd of them all. So why do you suppose it is that we stray from our shepherd? Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it like this, the path of discipleship is narrow, and it is fatally easy to miss one's way and stray from the path even after years of discipleship. And then it is hard to find. On either side of the path, deep chasms yawn. If we find ourselves alienated or distant from God, guess who moved? When we have a Father who loves us this much, why on earth do we make him come looking for us? You would think that would be a lot smarter than that. But again, we're sheep, right? I came up with five reasons that we stray that seem to apply to the world today. Maybe more. Life. Faith sometimes is inconvenient. Anger. Can we really be angry with God? Idols. We know what he thinks about those already. Just ask the Israelites. Comfort. Life is great. Who needs God? And finally, embarrassment. We're embarrassed by our sins. So life, anger, idols, comfort, and embarrassment. So let's unpack these for a minute, and you can decide for yourselves which one or ones might pose a danger to you. Life. Faith, as it turns out, is sometimes inconvenient. Life gets busier every day. We all whine about not having time for this or that. The kids take up time. Jobs are stressful and demanding. The house is a mess, blah, blah, blah. The demands on our time grow every day. We can't do anything about that. What we can do, though, is set our own priorities and not become a slave to life's distractions. So your house is dirty. God doesn't care. So Johnny misses a soccer practice. God doesn't care. That next sale will get you a big fat commission. God doesn't care. You have no time to talk to God. Now he cares. Not everything in life is critical. Make time for your relationship with the one who misses you. Anger. This one is tough. 
I have been angry with God myself, so I know. I also know a lot of people who are angry with God for one reason or another. I'm willing to bet that it's typically life's undesirable circumstances, and by that I mean the storms of life that make us angry. Why is this happening to me? How can God let this happen? Like Robert Frost, the road not taken, we can follow one of two paths when these storms arise. We can get angry with God, or we can trust him that he knows what he's doing. Jesus promised us that there would be storms. Suffering is part of everyday life in a fallen world. But that's not fair. We all want to cry. I'm here to tell you that fairness is a human word and concept. God doesn't see it as bad life. He doesn't see it as good life. He just sees it as life. We just don't see these storms as the part of the plan we had for our lives. That great American philosopher, boxer Mike Tyson, (laughs) once said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. Jesus promised us we're going to get hit. So what do these storms show us? They show us how deep and solid our roots are. When they happen, we're like a tree in a hurricane. If our roots are deep and strong and we trust in God, we'll withstand the storms. We may get beat up. We may look different when the storms are over. But we will rejoice when the storm is gone. Idols. The Israelites worshipped all kinds of idols each time they suffered. When they had gotten so low that they didn't know what to do, they repented and turned back to God. And guess what? Each time, God forgave them, and then they prospered. God warned them time and time again about worshiping idols. Well, today we may not worship Baal or erect Asherah poles, but we still have plenty of other idols. Anything that pulls us away from our relationship with God or becomes more important than going to church and worshiping him, has become an idol. We need to be careful of falling in love with things or things to do. Money can be a big idol, either spending it or the pursuit of it. Wealth and the accumulation of stuff is an idol. Television can become an idol. Even our kids' activities can become an idol. We have to cure ourselves of the disease of more, more things, more stuff. Comfort. Sometimes life is just too darn good. We are all blessed in this country where we probably all qualify as a one percenter in the world's economy. We have a tendency to say, life is great. Why do I need God? I'll tell you why. Because one of those storms that Jesus promised us and Mike Tyson told us about might be just over the horizon. It's okay to be comfortable and enjoy life as long as life doesn't alienate us from God. In our lesson, Ezekiel warned us what would happen if we strayed. He said, when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. Satan wants nothing more than for us to be comfortable. That way we have lots of things and activities that distract us and pull us away from our shepherd. Then he can pick us off. I heard a story about a woman who was extremely wealthy. She loved the high life. 
She had multiple homes in exotic places. Tons of money. Fancy cars, through crazy parties, all that rich and famous stuff. She took her own life. At her funeral, one of her friends said, I can't understand it. She had everything to live for. Overhearing her, the woman's son turned around and said, No. She had everything to live on. She had nothing to live for. Embarrassment. This is a weird one, too, because it's kind of counterintuitive. You would think that the greater the sins, the more a person would seek out God, but sometimes that's just not the case. People feel guilty to show up at church, which is exactly the opposite of how they should feel. They should be rejoicing that their relationship with Jesus can make them whole again. Christians have always supported Christians. That's why the shepherd can leave the 99 and go and find the one. If we can't turn to God, who can we turn to? We need to lay our sins and our embarrassment at the foot of the cross and accept that mercy and grace that God so freely gives us. So we've examined all the ways that us poor dumb sheep can stray from God. Now, more importantly, how do we get found? If you lose something, it won't find you. But unlike the stuff in the lost and found box that will simply stay lost until someone claims it, we can be proactive about our lostness. We can set off a rescue beacon. According to Pastor Rick Warren, there are three ways we can set off that beacon. First, he says, get fed up with your life and realize that you have strayed. If you're feeling alienated, you probably are lost. Second, own up to your sin. Remember those idols we talked about? Realize why you have strayed. And third, he says, give up control. We all struggle with that one. Me, most of all. We've all heard the saying, man plans and God laughs. I think those are great, but I would add two more things to Rick's list. I would say, pray. Let God know you want a relationship with him. He wants to hear from you. And lastly, learn how to be led by the Spirit. So you're thinking, okay, rookie, what do you mean by that? Well, according to the Apostle Paul, God wants us to live godly lives, being obedient and living through the gifts of the Spirit. If we let the Spirit lead us, we'll become more and more like Christ. And that's what God wants. That's why he gives us his grace, why he constantly forgives us when we wander, stumble, screw up, and get lost. If we let the Spirit lead us and lead a godly life, we will continuously or continually draw closer and closer to God. We won't be alienated, we won't stray, and God won't have to come find us. But in order to do that, we have to trust Him. So what do we take away from all this? Life. Don't let life circumstances get in the way. Make time for God. Set priorities for both you and your family. Anger. If you're angry with God, go back to the fork in the road not taken. Take a look at your roots. Are you anchored enough that you'll be battered, but will end up rejoicing? Or will you let the storms carry you away? Idols. Take a look at the things that mean the most to you in your life. Be honest. Is God number one? That's a hard one for me, too. I'm always tempted to say that my family is number one. 
comfort. So life's great. Is it so great that you're distracted from God? Have you become an easy target for the wild animals to pick off? Have you found a cure for the disease of more? You know, you can have a great plan for your life, setting all kinds of goals and then achieving them. You can be wildly successful in your eyes. That doesn't mean that you fulfilled the purpose that God had for you when he created you. God loves to use the unlikely, but he can't use the unwilling. Which one are you? Just imagine for a moment being Job. What if everything you had right now, house, possessions, money, health, even your family, was instantly taken away from you? How would you feel? Would you be angry? Well, that scenario played out about six million times during the Holocaust. It can happen. Embarrassment. Are you ready to lay those burdens at the foot of the cross and trust your shepherd? If you said yes to any of those, I can see your beacon starting to blink. That rescue mission was started 2,000 years ago. You just have to want to be found. I'm sure we have all felt relieved when we found something we thought was lost. But Jesus tells us that it doesn't compare to the rejoicing in heaven when just one person changes their heart and comes back to God. Whether we wander and come to him by a twisting road or take the shortcut, God wants us back. And what about those who either deny or don't know God at all? Well, that's where our job comes in. Jesus' great commission gives us great responsibility. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. We have a responsibility to find the lost as well. Jesus, Just as Jesus commissioned us, we also need to be shepherds. We need to be disciples making disciples. Are you just attending church? Or are you part of a church family? Remember those 99 sheep that needed to take care of each other? Y'all, that's us. Sometimes we need to step out of our comfort zones and do God's work. What greater thing can you do than to help someone who has strayed or gotten lost set off their own rescue beacon? Maybe C.S. Lewis summarized it pretty succinctly. Sometimes progress is turning around and going back. Sometimes returning back home is at the end of a very long journey. The best possible news we can receive is that God cherishes us. He misses us and he loves us. He will go to any length to find us and bring us back to him. Who would not want to be part of this amazing shepherd's flock? A lot of us are parents. Those who aren't probably had parents. <laughs> I'll bet a lot of us have either used this phrase with our kids or we've heard somebody else use it. Hold my hand. I don't want you to get lost. Now I want you to close your eyes. Go ahead. Don't be scared. Hold out your hand. And imagine Jesus saying that to you. 
Amen. <laughs> thank you. Uh, pray with me, please. Lord, we, we thank you for being the shepherd of us, and we are so grateful uh, that you love us enough that you will come and try to find us, no matter how far we have strayed and for whatever reason we have strayed, and that you will always somehow find us. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.